are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, normally with Danuta and Lawson, but we have our guest hosts today filling in. We have Blair and Joseph, and we are very excited for our Bible study time coming up next. But first, Joseph is going to bring us the quiz. Thanks, Shell. We have the fourth question of the day. In the parable of the sower, what happened to the seed that fell on the path? There's four alternatives here. A, it grew and then withered. B, the birds ate it. C, it was blown away by the winds. Or D, it was choked out by the weeds. So if you know the parable of the sower, one remarkable parable, um, you send us your message to 0491-064-669. I'll repeat the question. In the parable of the sower, you know, a man went out to sow. and he, What happened to the seed that fell on the path? So seed fell in various paths. What happened to the seed that fell on the actual path? Um, option A, it grew and then withered. Option B, the birds ate it. Option C, it was blown away by the winds. And option D, it was choked out by the weeds. So this question is for those who both love Jesus or gardening out there. You would have a good um, foundation to answer that question. We're going to be waiting for you. But in the meantime, what are we going to have up for our listeners next? Yes, and just a reminder as well that you, when you get the right answer, you go in the draw to win our fantastic prize, the Encounter with God Bible Study Series and Companion Booklet, which uh, is being studied by over 20 million people around the world. A fantastic guide. You can join us along each morning with Faith FM. That's the guide that we use as we go through our Encounter with God segment, which we are just about to get into. But before we do, I just want to read a couple of our comments that have been sent in by listeners. And uh, we want to thank Sky for texting in. This is on your story, Joseph, about the, s- the schools banning phones. Uh, quite a quite an interesting move and a good move, I think. Sky has texted in and she says, I'm waiting for the government to ban all vapes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Great idea. She said, sorry, way too many around, uh, including someone doing it on the train the other day, vaping, she was yes. speaking. So you've inspired uh, th- these bans um, of, of the phones have inspired others to think of other things that could be banned to make society better. If it's promoting our, key, our children's health, I'm all in. Thanks for that comment, Sky. That is absolutely 100% agree done yeah that's right we, we're all about setting people up for health and long-term success in their lives um we have we've had a, a somebody text in as well uh f- f- um brayden has texted in and he said i think taking phones out of the classroom is a good thing there is no need to have a mobile in the classroom if it is to be uh if it's if it is to be able to contact the student in the event of an emergency, they can contact the office. This oh, is presumably absolutely. speaking about the parents. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, that was back in the days when I was in high school. We didn't have cell phones back then. And this is exactly how our parents, you know, um, reached us. You know, you're sitting down there and someone came and said, Joseph, your mom you know, has a message for you. Um, yeah, so absolutely, Brayden. That's a great point. This is not going to affect parents being able to reach their uh, kids, their children, in any emergency. Back in the uh, back in the old days when you're in school, hey. Back in the old days, I'm, not, I'm <laughs> hoping I'm not giving out my age here. Probably Lawson says, "What are you talking about?" Like, I was born with a cell phone in my hand. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> 
Uh, we've also had another text in here from Sherry. Sherry said, Morning, lovely people. Just wondering why at mealtimes we ask the Lord to bless this meal. I've always thanked him for the meal. Am I doing it wrong? What do you reckon, Joseph? I think not. Actually, I have a pastor and uh, a friend of mine. He says, you know what? Why do he once asked me that question? And I think it was a good question. He said, you know, why do we ask God to bless the meal? The meal is the blessing itself. And say, you know what, it is true. But at the same time, let me tell you this, you know, um, Blair, you know that um, in Romans chapter 8, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit he gets our prayers, he transforms them, and he, when they arrive to God, they arrive to God at just the exact wording that we need. So absolutely, I think that not, not only God hears these prayers, there's nothing wrong. I would definitely encourage you to continue, you know, and I would even give, throw it a little bit of an idea here, a suggestion. I often like to thank before the meal, I like to thank Jesus for his sacrifice. So God, thank you so much for this meal. Thank you so much for this time that we have together. But I also want to thank you for the, uh, the greatest act of love that you've given to all of us, which is the blood of Jesus Christ. And particularly if you have children, I think it's great to have before them that they have a God that loves them with their life and absolutely um, every day. Absolutely. And we've also had another text come in from Freco. He's commenting here on the carbon dating and the interview there with uh, Dr. Walker. And he said, uh, in the beginning, the earth was formless and empty and covered with deep water. Uh, how long was the like this before man was created by God? Carbon dating could be confused by this. Absolutely. And we know that um, catastrophic events, even like the flood as well, they can uh, be deceiving. For example, if you, you know, someone asked once, if you would carbon date um, Adam, or if you look at him, right when he was formed out of God's hands, just by looking at him, how old would he be? He'd probably be in his 30s, I don't know. Mm. But he was just zero years old or a few moments old. So depending on the kind of events, special events, they can play up with that assumptions. So this is why it's so hard and we can't be too dogmatic um, on, you know, on those dates because we, we're missing some of the parts of the puzzle. Absolutely, and you know, I, you know, if you if you cut down a tree in the Garden of Eden and you looked at all the tree rings, how many, you know, how you determine the age, how many, how old would it have looked That's like, you know, right, yeah. all of these things. When God creates a mature world, uh, it, it definitely puts a bit of a spin potentially on it as well. Yes. Uh, so we just want to say a big thank you to all of those who are texting in and engaging with us. You can do that uh, by texting through to zero four nine one zero six four six six nine on any of the comments that you'd like to add, and we'd, we'd, lo we'd love to read them out on air. Uh, we're going to spend some time now pivoting into our encounter with God. Oh, we actually have had another message come through. Thank you, David. We've just had one additional text come through. Oh, and Sky has said that she also is supportive of the phones at school. So that's, um, that's, thanks for sharing that. Uh, David's texted in and he said, a question with this conflict going on in the Middle East at the moment. Do you think this could be the perfect time for the fake second coming to take place and deceive millions by ending this war? Wow, that's Interesting a, insight. What yes. do you think, Joseph? Look, I, I want to thank David for this question. There's definitely a lot of theology and last day events, you know, with that. I, I wish, Blair, maybe we could, you know, even had the time to actually explore each one of these things. But let me tell you, you know, uh, David, uh, I think that, look, it could possibly be, but I'll also tell you something else that I learned once and I really, I was really grateful for learning it. You know, in, when you look at the Bible, in Matthew 24, Matthew 25, in the, particularly in the parables of the end times, Blair, like the parables of the ten virgins, the parable, the parables of the uh, unrighteous servant and all of that, I think that Jesus is kind of giving us a message. Number one is we need to be ready Every single day mm -hmm. for that 
big event of Jesus' second coming. Absolutely. There's absolutely no negotiation. There's no tomorrow. There's no, no, no. You need, we need to be ready today. That means we need to be in a relationship with God today. We need to have the, the assurance of the forgiveness of our sins every day. And not only that, we need to be connected to God. We're going to talk about that in discipleship so that we can uh, realize his kingdom on earth. But at the same time, there's other parables like the 10 virgins that say, we also need to be ready to wait for a long, long time. Because sometimes when we, we, we see some massive world event and, and our world is, you know, Jesus says, you know, uh, this is not the end yet. You know, lift your head and uh, rejoice because your approaching is here. So this is like the convulsioning of our world. These are the birth pangs. We never really know exactly when it is. And God is patient and he's waiting every single, you know, he's going to delay his coming for every single uh, day if he can to save the most number of people. So yes, it could be the I think that the world could be ripe for the second coming, you know, in a while now. Um, you know, that being said, as far as we go, what do we have to do? You know, just like the wheat and the grass. Be ready every moment. We have, our focus is to be growing. Yeah. Growing, you know, having that sense of urgency. Jesus could come tomorrow and he can. We know, we know, don't know life, what can happen. And at the same time, if he tarries, we're going to have plenty of oil in our lamps to wait him as long as necessary. And you know what, Blair? The best way to wait for Jesus to come, do you know what it is? To work for him. Oh, amen. Absolutely. To make disciples. That's right. You, as you work for him, he continues to grow you, build your faith, build your strength in him. And yeah, absolutely. hundred percent right. agree. Well, we, thank you so much to those who have texted in. That was a great question, David. We could spend a lot longer kind of going through that one. Uh, but uh, maybe what we could do is revert this to the question of the day segment to be reviewed uh, at a future date. Um, and we can pick it up there. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. All right, we, we want to pivot now and have and turn into our encounter Bible study. And so, uh, Joseph, we're going to be looking at today a passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 28, which is really an amazing command that God gives his people. This is kind of like... Uh, Jesus' last words in, in many ways. Uh, you know, last words are always significant, aren't they? When, when someone's about to pass yeah. away or we're not going to see them for some time, those last words are very significant. They're absolutely very significant. When Matthew added that conclusion to his book, he wanted to convey as a very important message, almost like the summary of all things that he has taught so far. That's right. And so uh, what we're going to basically be reading some of those last words of Jesus to his disciples. And in this little passage of Scripture, Jesus packs in a whole bunch on how we can be on fire for him and disciples. And so um, I'm going to get you to read for us in Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 16. And we'll start reading from 16 onwards and we'll work our way through. Thank you very much, Blair. And just before I go, just to, rem- to remind our listeners, the topic that we're studying today or during this quarter is God's mission, our mission. And uh, today we're going to be talking about how making disciples is actually the focus of mission. I love that, you know, jingle, God's mission, our mission. I know back in the days they had a similar uh, Bible study guide a few years ago, well, many years ago, and they said uh, this, what I loved. God had only one son. And he made him a missionary. We're going to be exploring that, you know, and I can't wait, Blair. So let's start reading it. So verse 16, it says here, But the eleven disciples 
proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. Okay, let's just pause here. I like to sometimes just like do verse by verse here, particularly now that we have a, a rather um, short passage, Blair. But first question to you, Blair. Why 11? Didn't Jesus have 12 disciples? What's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, we had the unfortunate instance with Judas betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And after he made the deal with the devil... He felt that guilt, and he brought the silver back. He threw it back to the priests, and they didn't want to have anything to do with Judas. And tragically, Judas took his own life. And so Jesus was down a disciple. Wow. That is, that is very sad. But then Jesus, you know, uh, talked to the disciples and said, hey, let us meet in a certain mountain. And Jesus often, uh, particularly in the book of Matthew, teaches his disciples on mountains. And that reminds us a little bit of, about how Moses was also delivering the commandments on a mountain. So mountains are actually quite significant Absolutely. in the Bible. Mountains have lots of, you know, um, um, you know, meanings and symbolisms. And one of them is that in mountains, you know, did you know that, um, you know, part of the root word for mountain in Hebrew is actually head? Because when you look at the landscape and you see a, just like a single mountain, it looks like a bit of a head. So mountains is a pro- an appropriate place to learn, not only because they kind of reminds you of that, of that head, that sort of a knowledge that you're getting, but because you're there with the creator, in an environment that is so suitable. Imagine they're looking at, you know, the so much better than sometimes our, look, we need to do what we need to do, but would you prefer to have a lesson with Jesus at a classroom with white walls or at a mountain? Oh, give me nature any day. Any day. Oh. So they were there, and then Jesus said to him, uh, when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. That is very significant because they are acknowledging the divinity of Jesus. The Jews didn't take worship, you know, um, uh, lightly. And some people, they say, oh, you know, Jesus never, you know, um, you know, claimed to be God. Or, well, it's not only not true when you look at the Bible, but also just by the fact that he's accepting to be worshipped. You know, either that would be a blaspheme or Jesus accepting because Claim he to divinity. is Absolutely. the Son of God. And they worshipped him, and uh, but some were doubtful. And that's very interesting as well, Blair, because look, you know, they're worshiping him. They have seen him raising from the dead, and yet some were doubtful. Actually, you know, can you think of any other passage that talks about that? Who was the doubtful disciple, and what did Jesus say to him, Blair? Yeah, absolutely. Doubting Thomas, and Jesus said, blessed are those who don't, uh, who, who don't see and yet believe. He said, you've believed because yeah. you've seen me, but blessed are those who haven't seen me and still believe. Yes, absolutely. And look, even I watched a sermon the other day, and um, even when you are in doubt, the best place to still go is to God. Absolutely. Bring your doubts to God. It's Bring your doubts to, to God. God. And you know what? You know, we, we have a bit of a scientific mindset, Blair, when we say, look, no, I'm going to obey that which I understand. Whereas in the Hebrew mindset, it's like, no, we're going to obey. We're going to follow. We're going to trust. And then perhaps I will understand. Mm. And some great men of old actually were following God's instructions without even necessarily understanding what's going to happen. You know, Daniel with his visions, for example, Job, he didn't understand what's going on. I know uh, Abraham, he didn't understand until, you know, um, he brought Isaac to be sacrificed so if you have doubts let me assure you that it's okay it's okay to have doubts god is not going to casting you out however the problem is you have doubts and you're not talking to jesus or you're not trying to say to ask god god help me understand that's it it's how you deal with your doubt will you take your doubt to god and let it strengthen and build your faith as you work through those questions and, and let God speak to you, uh, or will you focus on your doubts and uh, let it eat away at your faith? And so, there's, yeah, yeah. I, I love I love that point you're bringing out. 
And let's go now to the core of this passage. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus is saying, I have won the great conflict. I have won. This planet is now mine. God has given me all authority. So when you guys are out there, do you know that this is your father's world, as the, the hymn says? And then Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples, and I want to emphasize this, and I can't stress this word enough, and I'll, I'll explain to you a little bit later. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's unpack that, Blair, a little bit. Um, number one, just going to give a little bit of a background. Sometimes it's helpful to know a little bit of the biblical languages for a background. You know, in Greek, you have, similar to English, you have one thing called participle and one thing called a, a imperative. Now, we have the, those in English as well. So an imperative is when you're commanding someone to do something. Blair, give me this water. This is an imperative. But the participle is, the best translation is, as you go, or... Or I asked Blair to give me the mug as he was entering the room. So that is the participle. Now, in this passage here, Blair, there's four, um, um, four actions, four verbs. Three of them are in the participle, and only one of them is in, in the imperative. In other words, Jesus is only asking us to do one thing while, in the meantime, we're doing all these other things. Mm-hmm. Guess which one is what, Blair? Make disciples. Imperative. Make disciples. You're spot on. Jesus just said one thing. Make disciples. As you go, as you go about your life, listener, as you go about your work, as you go about, you know, um, educating your children, as you go about doing, talking to people in your, around you, in your you'll community. You'll be baptizing, you'll be teaching, you'll be you'll doing be teaching, all these things. You'll be baptizing, but yeah. all, you're always there to make disciples. Beautiful. Now, Blair, I was once... You can't miss that. You can't miss that. And this is the thing, you know... Uh, sometimes we look around and, you know, and let's make this self-assessment. When we look around at our own life or our own churches, are we structured in a way that making disciples is the paramount, number one priority in our life, just as Jesus intended to? I don't think that is always the case, unfortunately. Not always. Sometimes it is the yeah. case, isn't it, Blair? There are, and I have seen many churches yeah. that are, look, this is forefront. Yeah. I've seen many Christians where this is forefront. But if it's not, I think it's we can stop and reflect and say, God, is this my life? Is this like a priority? You can for see real? that mentality in so many ways. You know, I think of, you know, the emphasis on numbers over, you know, quality, seating capacity over sending capacity. You know, how many can you fit in your building or how many people do you come into your church as opposed to how many people you're training, equipping and sending out as missionaries. This is the difference between uh, discipleship and you know other models that are out there. Absolutely, Blair. I'm a pastor, and in any day, if you ask me, Joseph, would you prefer to have one church with a hundred people, two hundred people worshiping, sitting there, but they are not making disciples, they are not being disciples themselves, or you prefer a church with ten people and all of them are on fire for Jesus? Guess what? Ten people, hands down. Well, that's how Jesus started, isn't it? Well, he had twelve. Yes. Well, in this case, he had it's 11. It's not about the numbers. <laughs> it's about the quality. You know, Israel had an entire army, and they were afraid of facing Goliath. And then one person, with the fire of God in, their, in his heart, David, with one small stone, managed to kill and defeat the entire army just by taking down the giant. Mm. So it's not about the numbers. It's actually about discipleship. And you know what about discipleship? Blair, it's not a thing we do. 
It's a thing that we are. Mm-hmm. Jesus says here in, 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 in the Bible that when he chose his 12 disciples, he chose them, he appointed them so that they could be with him. So do, do you want a definition of what a disciple is? A person that spends time with Jesus. Oh, beautiful. Absolutely. This is what a disciple is. And let me tell you, once you are spending time with Jesus and you are talking to him, you're listening from him, you're reading his words, my friend, this fire will just take over your heart. And being disciples would become absolutely second nature to you. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Joseph, what's our last quiz of today? Last quiz of today. It's a fill in the blanks quiz, okay? So all blanks here are the same word. In the beginning was the blank. And the blank was with God. And the blank was God. Which is the word that fills in the blank? If you know the answer, 0491-064-669. What is the word that fills in the blank? If you know it, please do send your message and you are going to be up to receive an incredible gift from us, from Faith FM team, which is the Bible study guide, God's mission, my mission. If you want to be shaken in your spiritual life and, and really live your best life and making disciples and seeing God's working miracles throughout your eyes in the form of transformation of hearts, you have to study this topic in depth. So we're going to give you one of that so we can study it with another 20 million people worldwide every day and a companion book. As well, that gives you, you know, for those of you who likes to, you know, get the extra, get, you know, uh, all the, the juicy details. So one last time, fill in the blanks and all the blanks are the same word. In the beginning was the blank and the hmm was with God and the hmm was God. Fantastic, Joseph. Thank you so much. And we have had another text come in from David, a follow up from his earlier question about the conflict in the Middle East and the possible uh, deceptions in the end times with the fake second coming and things like that. Um, his text is he said, sorry, I thought I heard that Satan comes back to earth and deceives many by performing miracles and millions of people think that it's Jesus or something like that. David, you're absolutely right. Uh, and that is something that, that is predicted. Uh, what we're going to do, because this is such a fantastic question and we don't have the time to deal with it in depth now, we're going to pass this on to Lyle for the question of the day segment on Thursday. So if you want to tune in Thursday, 5 p.m., uh, Pastor Lyle will deal with this question. It's a great question. For the question of the day. It's a great question. Revelation 16, for those of you who want to start getting your head around it. He's going to have a lot of fun digging into that, and I kind of wish I was him uh, to be able to dig into it. Same. I'm a bit jealous. <laughs> but uh, we we have the opportunity to continue our Bible study through the Great Commission, which Jesus gave to his disciples in his last words. He gave them an imperative, a commandment, and we've been reading through that. Joseph, can you continue on reading through this passage for us yes. in Matthew chapter 28? The Great Commission, Jesus said, and by the way, the word commission is a mission that we do with God. It's his mission, and he invites us. Of all people, because Blair, come on, God could have used all kinds of means to make disciples. He could just assign it to angels, and yet he's chosen people like you and me to do this. What an honor, And you know, and I think that God in his infinite wisdom knows that as we go about that, that's where we're going to see some incredible transformation and growth happening in our life. That's going to strengthen our faith like nothing. But Blair, I know I've, sometimes I hear people saying, 
Oh, Joseph, this is not my gift. Making disciples is not my gift. That's maybe for the pastor, for the evangelist, for the Bible worker, for a significantly gifted person. I don't, I don't know how to talk. I don't know the Bible. I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's for me. Blair, what does Jesus say about that in this passage or perhaps other passages that you have in your mind? Can we, can we, um, can we, is that person excused not to, to be engaged or praying for God to help her make any disciples? Oh, Joseph, uh, we've all come across this mentality at some point, haven't we? But I want to say that the discipleship is every believer's responsibility. It's not something that is just for the pastor. It's not something that's just for the Bible worker. It's not someone that's something that's just for the long-time Christian. This is something that God gives as a command to all his disciples. We're reading here him giving this command to his 11 disciples, his initial disciples. But by extension, this is an, a commandment for every single one of us that is a disciple of Jesus. Um, a, a phrase that I love uh, is, uh, is a phrase called total member involvement. Getting every single church member and disciple of Jesus involved in Christ's cause. And I think that this really captures the heart. It, the, discipleship is not a spiritual gift. It's not something that some people have and other people don't have. This is something that every believer is called to. And, and I just love a statement. One of my favorite passages from a great little book called Desire of Ages, um, written by the author Ellen White. She says this. I've, I've memorized it um, uh, or working on memorizing I think I know where you're coming from. So I love this passage. It's a great passage. She says, Every true disciple is born into the kingdom of God as a missionary. He who drinks of the living water becomes a fountain of life. The receiver becomes the giver. The grace of Christ in the soul is like a spring in the desert welling up to refresh all and making those who are ready to perish eager to drink of the water of life. Every Amen. true disciple, every true disciple is born into the kingdom as a missionary of God. This is something for everyone, not just for spiritual leaders or pastors or Absolutely Bible workers or there. anything else. I couldn't agree more. And you know what? One of the comments in our um, Bible study guide, and I liked it, what it says. He says, you know, Jesus said to the disciples... Go all the way to all the ends of the world, the ends of the earth. Right? We, we have here, you know, the altar has been given to me in heaven and earth. To, you know, make disciples of all nations. Now, it is impossible, impossible for the 12 disciples to take the gospel to all nations by themselves. So who is Jesus talking to? To every single disciple Absolutely. in the earth. So there's a hint here in the text that if you want the word of the gospel of the kingdom to reach to reach everyone, everybody needs to be engaged. Now, I have. Um, I want to just to uh, finalize with a bit of um, um, a, a practical thing. I like to put, you know, flesh into the bones, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. put put some wheels on the car, and, and perhaps I'll make that suggestion to our producer here at some point. Um, I know that there that there are books that co- they're very very affordable books. Cost they cost you like two dollars, two dollars and fifty cents, and they come up with just the gospels. For example, the Gospel of Mark is a very tiny book. So when you give it to someone, it's so not intimidating. And if you want to make disciples, I'll tell you exactly what you can do to start. Invite a person or pray to God. To, to help you find a person that is interested in reading the story of Jesus. Maybe you have had conversations with them before, maybe not, maybe, I don't know, but say, no, would you be interested in you know, sitting down for a hot cuppa and us reading the story of Jesus together? And you give them one of these books, one of the Gospel of Mark, which is the shortest of all Gospels, it's only 16 chapters, and you just go chapter by chapter, you read and you ask these four questions together. So you don't need to be an expert, you don't need to be a theology graduate, you, you don't need to have gone to the Bible study, 
uh, before, you're going to ask these four questions as you read. Number one question, what is interesting to you and what, is dif- what can be difficult to understand? Mm. Right? And you talk about that. And if there's questions, you can you know, make notes, go online later, try to find out. Second question, what does this passage tell us about God and about people? And that's an amazing question because, well, you know, when we, when we know who God is like, what he's like, we can actually try to replicate and try to imitate him. But also when we, when we are serious about what human beings are, we are also can pray to God and say, God, help me not be that. It, it's, it makes us be brutally honest about our human nature. The third question is, if I really believe this passage or these teachings to be true, how would they actually change my life? How can I apply that? So that's a practical element. That's great. And I, I like to say this word, if, because sometimes you're studying with someone that doesn't necessarily believe, but you're asking them, if you believe, this, if we believe this passage is true, how would it change our life? And you can look online, and it's, this method is called the Discovery Bible Reading, and you can look online, I will say again, DBR Discovery Bible Reading. Some places it's Discovery Bible Study. You'll find some variations of that. But the, the, last, the last question is, how could we share those teachings with someone who does not believe in Christ? Mm. So you're actually training your mind to really, um, you know, put it on yourself on a model. Okay, how can I share this with someone that is brand new? They don't have, how can I simplify that? How can I use a, an analogy of mm. sorts? So you read the passage with a person, you read it twice, you try to summarize it with your own words, you really fixate it, and you go through these questions, discovery Bible reading questions, and you invite them, you give them one of these little booklets, you can go really, really quickly through them, really. Um, and this is one practical way that you can share your faith with someone in a very natural, very non-intimidating, non-judgmental way, which I think a lot of people long for that. Oh, absolutely. That's that's really practical, brilliant way to put some legs on this passage of Scripture. And I love how this finishes off in verse 20. It says, Teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As we go forward in, in that journey of discipleship for ourselves and extending that to others, we have the promise of God that God is with us. As we do that, we're not having to, you know, we will likely be out of our comfort zone sometimes, but that's okay because God is with you in the midst of everything and he promises his presence to guide you, to lead you and to be with you on the way. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And Joseph filling in for Danuta and Lawson. And now it has come time to give away the answers to all of our quizzes. All right. So when chasing after Moses and the Israelites, where did the Pharaoh and his army die? In the Red Sea. Oh, yeah. Red Sea. That was one of the favorite stories as a kid. Um, you know, reading this, the miracle of the sea splitting and the fish, book, uh, fish in the oceans and stuff like that. Yeah, and the chariots like kind of a dismantling as they went, as they tried to traverse. Wow, what an experience! I wish I could be there to see that. True or false? Because Jesus was God, he didn't obey his earthly parents' rules. What do you think? But what's the right answer, Blair? Uh, this is absolutely false. Jesus um, did obey his earthly parents' rules. In fact, because he was God, it led him to do that more so. Because he was the very one who commanded you, though, in the commandments to honor your parents. Uh, to you know, mm. give them uh, obedience and respect them, and so he epitomized the law. He fulfilled the law and absolutely was um, 
obeying in his parents in that sense. Now, we did have Freco text through earlier on in the program and, say, and bring up the example of Jesus when he was 12 years old, um, causing that concern for his parents when he, uh, when he was lost for those few days and he was teaching in the temple. Um, but is, is that, do you think that's an example, Joseph, of him disobeying? Or how I don't would think, you say that? I don't think so, Blair. And actually, when we read that passage, we see that uh, it was an oversight from the side of Jesus' parents. Joseph thought that Jesus was with Mary. Mary thought that Jesus was with Joseph. And they were not together. And once they came together, like, where is Jesus? They have to kind of, they were already halfway, you know, um, through the journey. They had to come back and find Jesus. And Jesus says, you know, I, I was in the, the house of my father attending my father's business here. So Jesus didn't obey any express command. We were not told that. What we are told is that, yes, indeed, the parents were, um, um, they lost Jesus for a while. But whose responsibility it is to keep an eye on our, on your children at any one time. Is it the children's responsibility or is it the parents' responsibility? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, we probably all the parents out there are thinking about those times they've accidentally left their kids somewhere or lo- yeah, lost. Yeah, it happens. It, it happens, doesn't it? I, I, it I got left on a train one time. Um, they were, all my family were getting off the train and they went to pull me in the pram off the train and the doors shut and off I went down to the next <laughs> station. Next, next station and my parents wow. were uh, quite needless to say they were quite concerned <laughs> yeah look it has happened to me as well and like these were some of the most anguishing moments of my life one day i was in the beach in brazil with my family and i thought that my wife was having a uh, was watching over our two-year-old son and lo and behold where was he nowhere to be found <laughs> but then we found him who relief okay let's go to the next one what was the name of the youngest named son of adam and eve blair seth seth Fourth question in the parable of the sower, what happened to the seed that fell on the path? Well, tell us. Well, the birds ate it. The birds ate it, yeah. I'm a bit of a bird watcher, so... You know how birds like seeds sometimes, don't they? They do. They absolutely do. So for your gardens out there, just don't leave, unless you're wanting to feed the kookaburras and the cockatoos, and then that's all fine. Um, Or even if you're training your uh, crowies to bring you stuff. (laughs) Uh, for in the exchange for some seeds. Okay, and the last one, fill in the blanks. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was. God. I love, I love how you almost gave this. I was away. kind of a hinting that you one. Said what word is the blank, and the word was word. The word was word. <laughs> oh, I almost lost it. I it was that was yes. classy. Well Jesus, done. the word of God. Well, also, we've got a couple of texts that have come through that we just want to give a shout out to. Freco said, Shell is always, uh, as always, the music is the best. So we've got a fan for Shell out there. Thank you so much, Freco. Um, and if you grow a seed, best place is in Jesus. Amen. Amen, Amen Freco. And we want to remind you as you get ready to go and live your day, talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will go strong in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.